this language, this speech predictive language. We are only what we say we are. We are only what we tell ourselves we are. And if we reinforce that, then we will live through that. Welcome aboard, I'm your host Dave Algio, Chief Sprout Sweater. Strap in for this longer episode, a big sweat episode, in which I interview somebody who has a particular area of expertise that I think is really valuable to share. This week, in episode 20, I have David Wilkinson, who is a coach who works with a number of different clients, both specialising in men, male clients who are looking to maximise their life, but also in the corporate world, working to maximise potential and success. Um, He brings with him a really down-to-earth approach, he has a great a great background which I'll let him explain um, and brings with him some really useful insights on how we can use self-coaching and and understand more about the stories we tell ourselves both to understand how they can limit us but also how we can overcome them so on with the show As we lift off the pad and before we get into the episode, don't forget, if you find that the demands of life and the meaning of it all is leading you to sleepless nights, tossing and turning, deep and not so deep questions rattling around your head, then hop on over to SproutSweater.com and gain access to my free Operation Snooze Sleep Improvement Audio Program. Start getting your head back and your shit together so you can start getting life back on your terms. SproutSweater.com This week, it's a big sweat episode, which, as you will all know, this is where we get the chance to, or I get the chance to pick the brains of an expert, somebody with a lot of experience in working with people in terms of behavior change, and uh, and really pick their brains and see what we can learn to develop some 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 of our own habits in improving our health, getting our head back, our shit together, and life back on our terms. So this week, I'd like to uh, welcome uh, a friend and fellow coach who specialises in uh, coaching uh, men, um, David Wilkinson. Hi, David. How are you doing? Hi, David. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Not as good as you in the sense that you're in Spain. And I'm over here. I have to get that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little warm here, so you yeah. don't spend. <laughs> That's the only downside. <laughs> I know, I know. No, I'm we... sorry, I'm only joking. Yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get. I'll ask you about your background, but I guess just to put the context of that we've we've known each other for a few years and had a number of conversations over the years about mm-hmm. our own businesses and business direction and development. And one of the things I've always admired about you, David, is well, a lot of things. But one of the things is you did do a particular transition from your former work as a, a trainer, physical trainer, mm-hmm. into coaching, and how you did that kind of epit- for me epitomizes the some of the classic ingredients of change you know the grit and the determination but focus and with that you built in your move to Spain which is where obviously our little joke about it is but you've actually yeah. transitioned across to Spain and you now run your business from there yeah. so rather than me telling everybody do you want to just introduce yourself and, and put a bit of flesh on the bones for that yeah so yeah I mean thank you very much mate um I, I was a personal trainer for at least 14 years it was like the the, the big part of my initial career um, straight out of school, I went to college and started studying sports science. And then on that, we did some gym instructing qualifications. And then I was like, right, I want to do personal training. So I got a job in a gym and they put me through an apprenticeship personal training program. And so by 2005, I believe I was starting to do that. And in 2006, I qualified. And from that point on 2006, I was still physically training people up until early 2020. So that was like the length of time. And in that, I'd done everything from one-on-one personal training, boot camps, 
I'd ran my own gym, which was a full training facility with staff. And then I'd gone down into more of a skeleton-based system towards the end, which was when I was working on transitioning into doing what I do now, which is kind of like performance and mindset coaching. And so I started doing qualifications for this around 2018. And it was yourself that recommended the course that I went on, which is mm-hmm. through Newcastle College. And it was through our conversation that actually that led me to go down that route on that course and start that process of making that transition. So as I was juggling with the, the personal training, the gym I had, I started to do this other side of career and then built that up, started getting some clients. Is this for me? You know, you go through that typical thing, new business, is it for me? I've got what it takes. And then uh, transitioned. And then it was interesting because obviously early 2020, COVID hit, which meant that the gym closed anyway. Um for certainly for a period of time. And I was quite in that space where I was like, I wanted to get out of it that year anyway. Um, and so I just took the opportunity then, spent a lot of time for a few months, like really pushing it online because that was the space to do it. You weren't meeting people face to face. All the business went online. And then I was like sitting in a room in the, in the Northeast of England. And I was coaching clients from there. And I was like, I could do this from anywhere. So next thing you know, me and my fiance moved to, to south southern Spain in the end of September 2020, and now we're still here now. Yeah, brilliant. You make it out sound so easy as well. When, <laughs> and that, this is the thing because I think there's a lot in there, isn't there? And I'm sure it, you know there's been some soul search and some big decisions and things like that that um, you know I wouldn't mind picking your brains about because transitioning is a is a big part of I think for many of us in life I think many of us get to a point in life where we go is this it is this what I've worked for and you know and we kind of start to question things now I'm of the view that we you know rather than kind of just you know chucking the chucking the baby out with the bathwater we start examine areas of our life and then see what we can transition and sometimes it is about big decisions and sometimes it's about little decisions or little habits as well so it's a mix of those things Uh, but as somebody who transitions as well probably took a lot I took a lot longer than I that I needed to really because of my own kind of self-limiting stories and things. Um, I am fascinated with that because it's how do, how do we help people navigate that water? So just, just from that, because there's so many areas I wanted to pick on yeah. there really, but what, what, what was your story around that change? What led you to, I don't know, like a question if you were effective and successful as that in that physical training field, doing those things, what led you to start to shift or question or what have you? <laughs> Um, basically there was a point where I, I think I really kind of got, there's a few facets to it, so I'll share all of them, but number one that always comes to mind is I, I started to get lost in it all and I started becoming a lot more focused on business than I had the actual personal training side of things. So because I was actually running a, a full business with members of staff, payroll, you know, uh, all of these other things and wanting to grow that, it became just about getting clients in and building a bigger business. And the felt for me, that felt like the right thing to do. But actually looking back, I felt like a bit unaligned and disaligned from like what really mattered to me. Like because coaching has always been something that I loved and I was doing a lot less of that. And I was just like focused on building this, this business. And in that sense of that, I also got lost with that of like, trying to build and build and build and build and build at the detriment of my relationships at home, my personal relationships, my, my mental well-being, and everything else that I believed in. So by the time 2015 and 2016, I was really going to that, like, I'm not happy. 
I'm not fulfilled. Like, damn, this is not, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Does that make sense? You know, you know, that's the, that's the real feeling. And I was like, and then the other facet of that was like, I've always thought like, I love coaching. I always wanted to do the coaching I've done now. I always want to do something like that. But then this takes that time to A, believe in yourself. But B, I was like working with people in the health and fitness area. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Like follow this nutrition plan and do this train, get great results. But then why wasn't it sticking for some people? Why were some people getting stuck behind certain habits? Why were some people getting great results and other people will find it a challenge, which led me to think there's got to be more than just what you do. It's got to be a lot more going on here. So this kind of transition back then <laughs> also for myself, like as I was going through that challenging time, I did like a little bit of inner, inner work, soul searching, I had some therapy, had some coaching, went on my own personal journey, which is what led me to being like, I love this thought of doing, doing a coach, being a coach. This was like kind of leading me down that. So there was a few factors that took that. Right. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, again, there's a couple of things I would I want to tease out, but I'm going to kind of separate this idea, firstly, of why is it that some people achieve certain results and other people don't? Because I think that's an interesting one to explore with you uh, in due course. But this idea, this this transitioning, uh, from my own experience and from people that I work with, I know how challenging that can be yes. across the across the whole journey. If you like, from that point yeah. of you start at that initial starting point of the feelings, the dis, the feelings of just it starts to bubble up almost, um, mm-hmm. you know, and. <sighs> I guess what, what what was it that I'm trying to kind of think from a perspective of some of the some of the stories and journeys that my clients have been on. It's what what brings you to a point where you actually take action. What was it that led you to that kind of some of those crunch points? You know. Yeah, it, I mean, I've I've got to be honest. I've always been somebody that's like willing to take a little bit of a risk. Like right. I always have been, and I do have that in me. It's but. It takes sometimes to get to that point to take that little step off the ledge and that little leap of faith. You know what I mean? Because I think we too, we too often as people want certainty. We need to have certainty of what is going to happen, what might happen, where will this lead us? We actually can't have that. It doesn't exist for us. And so being able to get our head around the fact that life is uncertain, we just have to go off like what we feel is the right choice. And doing then our best behind that. And it almost has to be this like little leap of faith, I feel. So we can have all the information, all the books, all the courses. But then there's this bit, isn't there, where you've got to just step off the ledge and, and go for it. And that was definitely that. But there was a big fact, and I think this is important to share, is that because I was already working with people and had a business, and, and ultimately the people who I coached are, are, like in the gym, like some of them would be friends. You know, I really had a, a deep connection to these people. My God, did I feel guilty thinking about walking away from that. Like that was painful, man. Like there was a lot of like pain and discomfort. There was a lot of tears. I'm not going to lie. Like I felt so guilty about wanting this new life and career and could feel it and grasp it, but anchored into the guilt and which ultimately was fear fear of the unknown, fear of walking away, fear of I've done this all this time and what would I, who would I be and what would I do without this? So it took, it it takes, all I can say is it takes a lot of time to get the head right in terms of external support from coaching or some form of external support, 
a lot of inner work and soul searching, which is not a quick fix. And then that little leap of faith that we all will have to take if we're going to transition. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's brilliantly explained and and thanks for being so upfront and honest about it, because I think sometimes one of the problems I have with the world of self-help so-called or personal development Mm -hmm. is that it often is branded as a very quick, easy thing of just follow these six steps. (laughs) And we've had these conversations before, so we're, we're on the same track on this. And I think that's the point. If you're a human being, which the majority of people listening are, this is going some interstellar galactic universe. <laughs> hey, you never know. The, the reach of the podcast, you never know. But the point is that, like, if you're a human being, then it's all a lot of this is about the emotional journey and the psychological journey of negotiating the fear and all these emotions. And I think one of the things that I'm picking up here is for and for other listeners is that, you know, that's going to happen every time. It's normal if we're going to, if we're talking about, it's normal to have these feelings, I would guess for most of us, what we do with them is a different thing. For some people, it might be to change a small part of their life or to to undertake, I don't know, learn a language or something like that, you know, something that stimulates them there. For others, it may be a bigger change, but Mm -hmm. that change is how do you wrestle with it and navigate it? So I think it's really good to share that and give us a feeling that, you know, it isn't simple. <laughs> you don't just follow the recipe and that's it, you know? No, and, and I think you're right, Dave. Like, people who, like, I guess, sell and promote that, like, it's a simple solution. It just isn't because you aren't taking into fact. Like, when you look at it factually, it's simple. Do this yeah. and then do that and, like, move from that to that and what's the problem. But emotionally, which you hit the nail on the head, emotionally, the weight and the, 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 the whole connection of what was who you think you are, what has happened in the past to what is possible going forward. That's, it's about navigating those emotions and being able to, I almost think, just kind of get, get them under some sort of like management almost. Otherwise, that fear of self-doubt will always drive, it will always be there. Mm-hmm. And that's the very thing that can stop people, you know, moving forward with something or, you know, searching for something else or taking that transition. Yeah. Yeah, and you said a couple of times there, which is something I, I'm I'm really fascinated with, is who am I in this, or who do I become, or you know, what does this say about me? You know, the identity that we have, mm-hmm. and I think that's often wrapped up in the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. So, yeah. how do you? Uh, any thoughts on? Well, what was your experience in kind of what what did you have to shift some stories or your yeah. sense of who you were? Yeah, because I think we like. I, I assume like many, many people that our personality is fixed and permanent. Like we, we, we think with, we are this, that I am permanent. This is who I am. We don't realize that, that our personality is all created. We are, we have created ourselves to this point, sometimes indirectly through our upbringing, then a lot through our own sense of self. And we create this permanent. So we start using language like, this is me, or I, I couldn't do that. Or I've always done it this way. This is fixed personality which which you can't navigate from so for as long as you think you're permanent you've got no breathing space to actually change so you know i was like talking about like this element of like imagine you're in a straight jacket so you're wearing a straight jacket and you like feel stuck this is how people see themselves i'm stuck this is who i am but actually what is not available to you is possibility of actually there is another way there is a there is something else and I try to get people to realize it's like if you can just for a second hold that notion that you aren't fixed and that you could see another way, be another way, 
act another way that creates a little space. Can you for a moment just create a little space in that straight jacket? Don't worry about how to get out the full thing. Just think, can I move a little bit, nudge a bit of space? And that is power. Right. I love that. I love that idea. And, and I love that visual, actually. Because um, one of the things that um, I, I think you're absolutely right, we get fixed and we, it, I call it predictive speech. You know, we have predictive text, but predictive speech is what you say. You're almost predicting your future. Like, I'm a born warrior. Well, that kind of says that I'm not going to change. Now, don't get me wrong. I might have to manage and change in this habits to form, et cetera. But that doesn't mean to say that I, you know, I'm fixed in that. So I think mm-hmm. I think that's a really powerful metaphor. And I, I remember back to a story where I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sort of go into war stories about me for this, but sitting talking to somebody who'd made a major transition in his life and sitting talking to him over a couple of beers. And he said, Dave, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And I remember thinking that'll never be me. That that'll never mm-hmm. be me. And that was exactly that. It's that feeling of I'm fixed. My life, my lot, my everything is set. And I think you're absolutely right. You need to, how, how, if you're in that set position, we need to somehow get something that gives you that encouragement, that influence, that something that says, actually, the, the, you can have a little bit of hope. There is hope here. And that hope ah. is that space in the straitjacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, because it's, uh, and it's right, you know, I always, I always laugh with my clients and give this analogy where it's like, you know, people use this term like, I'm an imposter, right? I'm an imposter. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, so what you're saying is, John, so when you were born, the, you, the, the doctor went to your mom and dad, look, you've got a baby boy. And by the way, he's an imposter as well. Just so you know this. <laughs> yeah. It's total fabrication of the mind. Like it's create, we create exactly what you said there, this language, this speech, predictive language. We are, we are only what we say we are. We're only what we tell ourselves we are. And if we reinforce that, then we live through that, don't we? We, mm. we keep the actions there. And I like what you said where it was like a little bit of hope. And I like to think of that like it's creative possibility. Is there possibility here that I could create something different? You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have the journey mapped out the next 10 years. You just have to think this doesn't have to be the way it is. What else is available to me? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's that what if or what could or just to let give yourself permission to even allow yourself to dream. And I know there's often a lot of resistance there, isn't it? From if if you've if you've built up a lot of that resistance and just Mm -hmm. it's in order to be rigid, you know, or to believe that you're rigid, you've had to fortify the defenses so that you might it's almost like your mind needs to be able to be comfortable with that rational rationalization. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, the journey I went through, but also some of the clients is you've got to start somewhere. So that space that allowing yourself, you, you know, you could, what could it be? Like you said something, I, I'm trying to think of words where you said, uh, I'm not going to use the exact words, but it, you, it was almost like, okay, so park that for a moment and just imagine, or just allow yourself to, to think or dream. It wasn't your word. It wasn't the words that yeah. uh, you used, but that idea of just giving somebody permission to do that, I think is really, mm. really powerful. Yeah. It's, it's so true. I mean, like, there was, you know, thinking about, like, from a lot of stuff that I learned, like, in, um, you know, uh, college and, and, and university and courses, right? You're learning, like, and you know this, like, the, the human brain is just there to, like, protect and predict. Like, it wants to protect itself, so it creates, like, protectional mechanisms and behaviors and patterns so you don't step too far away from safety, illusional safety, Right but it's also trying to predict the outcomes in future mm-hmm. of what, what could happen, what might happen, which is why we live in the world of 
um, this illusion of control or safety or not stepping too far away because it's uncertain, thus meaning we start feeling this like fight or flight response, which ultimately this is a real thing that people feel. And we feel that, 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 that fear, that nervousness, that maybe anxiety, this is normal. People like, you know, it's not like there's something broken with a person who feels, God, I want to do something different, but I feel a little bit unsure. We're able to just kind of go, well, this is the brain actually doing what it was designed to do. However, it isn't helping you because you're not able to just for a second go, I need to just park this. Mm. I need to just rationalize this and open my mind up to what is creatively possible for me in life. Because at the end of the day, if you don't create the future, then your brain will already create one for you. <laughs> yeah. From, the, from yeah. your history as well, from what has happened to you in the past in your history. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love that. I, that that's kind of a nice simplification. It's there to preserve and predict. Mm-hmm. That's a great way of kind of allowing yourself to see it. And the prediction bit is often where your speech mm-hmm. can become that thing that then continues to self-limit you. So, and the story, it, 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 your speech is often a reflection of the stories you're telling yourself about that as well. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, you there's a lot of things in your transition and change and you mentioned obviously in your practice uh, as a you know physical instructor one-to-one with groups you know with the gym what what have you learned then that is potentially the differentiator between or are the differentiators between somebody who actually you know they get on board and follow it through to whatever the outcome is you know a success in in air quotes and somebody who struggles or hits a wall or a barrier what do you what have you found I, I, I always believe it'll be the in, often the intention behind somebody's why of doing it. So if, if, if somebody does it from a place of lack, often like I lack something. So I'm not attractive. I'm overweight. I, I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. I'm this type of person. Um, and they come from trying to get in better shape because they feel they lack something or have a belief that they have a problem about themselves, then they're coming to their um, weight loss journey from a place of fear. Like I've got to improve something about myself because I'm not good enough. That, that there will almost always land somebody down a route of like, it's never good enough. Right. I've never lost enough weight. I don't look good enough. Person could have lost three stone, still more to go. Never happy, never fulfilled, never enjoying what they're doing because it's coming from a lack. So I need more of it, but you can't get more of what you don't need. And the other, the other part of it is that the people who would generally succeed more will be people who will come from a place of like, um, like almost like abundance, like I'm doing this for 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 the for the for reasons of not to gain because I lack, but to just to better myself, to be a little bit, um, you know, I guess just like feel better, but be in the journey, be in the process. Like I'm good with what I'm doing, I'm enjoying it. Who were there not to just quick fix it, but to like be part of that journey. There was a different intention and energy behind people. I'm not judging either because you only know what you know. But I always say if you if you feel like you're not good enough and lack something, it's very difficult to stick to something because it's never going to be enough. You can't fill that void. The other people who have got a different intention behind it tend to stick and manage it a little bit better. Mm. I didn't know that until now, like until the last couple of years. But if you reflect it from where what the clients I work with now, 
to like what that would have made different if I knew now what I knew then, what difference I could have made for somebody. Who knows? It's so interesting. So kind of, one of the things that came up in my head there was the thought of the friction that we add or add into the system in the sense of somebody who's doing it because they they just want to, you know, it's that journey of challenging themselves, developing, etc. There there isn't that friction of that not good enough story. Yeah. I mean there, there may be other stories. We're all we've all got them. Yes. But I can imagine, and I know from my own personal journey and working with with others, is that that not good enough story or I'll be better when or it'll be better when mm-hmm. or I'll be worthy when that's a hell of a burden, isn't it? And, and for, me, for me, what I see and what I've found personally is that that can turn to quite a cruel driver yeah. and inner voice. Yeah. So you're not just trying to work towards a goal. You're trying to deal with and manage this inner, cru- sometimes really cruel inner critic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a great way to put it. And I think you're right, the friction or pressure, like pressure to the situation, external mm. pressure, like, on, well, sorry, internal pressure. Pressure doesn't exist yeah. outside, it's just internal. But, you know, if you've got somebody who feels like they're inadequate or uh, self-loathing to themselves, judging themselves, like is um, things that it, like they have insecurities and problems, if that person then is like, well, I'll be happy when, they've just held the happiness hostage, haven't they, to a fixed like point in the future where they can be like, this is how I'll feel content instead of being happy doing. So if you're like, my happiness is held hostage until I get the end result, until I'm a millionaire, until I've got abs, until I've like live here or have this size business, they're almost detesting the journey and shaming themselves for not being there sooner. And that's a lot of friction and pressure, like you said. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you, you said something there about the shaming thing of, you know, shaming because they're not there sooner or why didn't I, why did I let myself get there? I think, sh- I wonder how much shame plays into this. You know, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Brenny Brown's work. Um, yeah. Uh, and she's done a lot of research into shame uh, and women. And I know she's yeah. do, done some research in relation to men. And there, there are different drivers on that. But I think, I think there's something there, isn't there, around we're carrying, it's, it's almost like you're lifting the weight anyway, because you, you know, you're lifting the weights to get fit, <laughs> but you're carrying a hell of a weight on your, in your head as well. Uh, yeah, that absolutely. I mean, like, imagine that, like, the self-shaming of you're absolutely right, not being there sooner. Why aren't I there sooner? Why have I let myself go like this? Who loves me? My husband doesn't want me. My wife doesn't want me. My kids don't like me. Boss doesn't respect me. Like, these are all real concerns for people. I'm not saying that they're not, but they're all created with inside of ourselves because we're not feel like we're good enough. So we've instantly said, I have a problem. And by actually doing something to try and fix that problem, you are reinforcing the fact that you have a problem when you don't. It's a fascinating part of the human psyche, right? Whereas if the person is like, yeah, like being fit and healthy is good. It's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for the human body. And I can be happy. I'm happy going to the gym. I felt good there. Or I'm happy like eating this food group. Or I'm happy like doing these habits, you know? That's a very different person. Now, you're absolutely right. That person might have a story in another part of their world, but they don't have it about that part. Yeah. And that's the key, isn't it? It's about actually revealing these narratives we have about ourselves to go, well, where's the truth in this? To almost let them go and put them burdens down, those heavy weights down in our mind to be free. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right. We all have narratives and an overarching, it's a bit like the 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 box set, isn't it? There's an overarching like arc story for the for the thing. And then within each season there's a one, and then within yeah. each episode we've all got that in life. We've got a Everybody. life arc, and then we've got a seasonal arc and maybe a weekly arc and stuff. And, but the point is, I guess the question that comes back, this is something that's interesting. I don't know what you thought think about this, but these stories have evolved, I guess, out of that predict, uh, preserve and predict kind of driver. They're not that they, they haven't evolved to make us happy. No. They've evolved to help us navigate life, uh-huh. and we could be thoroughly miserable doing uh-huh. that. But uh-huh. so long as we're navigating life, that's cognizant or, or compl- those stories complement that. So I guess my question is, when we're trying to unearth the stories, we're also asking ourselves que- questions: Is well, is that story serving serving me at the moment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it may be true, it may not be true. I mean, we can dig into mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. is it serving me? <laughs> is it serving me? Yeah, because understand. Sometimes always trying to understand why where that come from or why we have it doesn't really matter so much. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, right? What like the the primal purpose of any living organism is to survive. Like it is like th- that 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 is why we have like everything that we have in this world. We 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 our purpose is to survive. It's not to be happy. Right? <laughs> now, I don't mean that being happy is not good, but so everything is to keep us alive, which means that we have built in our DNA thousands and thousands of years, depending on how who you believe of how long we've gone back, that predict, uh, prediction and protecting is the number one f- thing. So if I have to go into a room full of people and I don't know anybody and I feel like uncomfortable, okay, this is a completely this is completely normal. It's not, we don't have to label it something. This is truly normal for us because we like, we feel threat response, fight or flight. It comes until we become more comfortable. So you've got this part of the human being survive. And then I think what we might have is this spiritual side, this guidance of being happy and contentment and fulfill like more of a personal pursuit journey. And I think that's where sometimes we're conflicted between these sides of ourselves, which is understanding that the human needs safety or at least some form of assurance. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we have this like part of like what is possible and purposeful and loving and compassionate and happiness. Like, and that's there. And I think we've got to work with both. I don't know what you think about that, but that's kind of like what I'm discovering yeah. and reading about and thinking about you know yeah um well just on that there's a great book actually which is going to feature in one of my future podcasts um called transcend mm. um by scott barry kaufman sorry i just had to read it there um and he's revisited the work of um maslow okay um you know maslow's hierarchy and needs which incidentally maslow never described it as a pyramid Mm-hmm. That was introduced by the 1960s management consultants. But uh, it's a great book because he revisits a lot of Maslow's work around that. And I, I totally agree that the, the, there's this, there's the basic needs, if you like, that we need, to, you know, we need to work on. Otherwise, you know, how sustainable are we going to be in life? But for many of us, and I think this is why many of us get to a point in life where we think, it's got to be more than this. There's something else. Now, whether you describe it as spiritual or whatever, you know, we've all got different paths and what have you, but I think absolutely vital to to explore that if you're a question in that, you know, and to kind of explore and see what you can get to develop and maximize it. And I think that idea of we haven't evolved to be happy is true as a physical creature, but there's something more, isn't there? There's something yes. more for men, more for human beings. Yes. Um, so ab- absolutely totally yeah. get that. Yeah. So I wonder if the fact then like, let's, 
I wonder if, you know, you've got like, because, because the, the, the basic needs of like their food, survival, protection are there, when they are, like you say, when they are met, then the only other element is this like direction of purpose and, 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 and giving more and serving humanity, right? But it's almost like if we're still stuck in fear, we can't transition to that next point because we're still stuck in survival mode instead of like that thriving mode, if you like, you know, without too, using too many like terminology, like phrases like that. But yeah. and, and, and if I'm only focused on keeping self safe because my history has proved to me that you've had to do that. And that would be a bit of a, a bit of a journey to go through to be able to go, well, actually what is possible? And then that's that next level, isn't it? Yeah. I'm wondering if that's. Yeah. And you, you, something you mentioned before, it's it's about, you're going to experience the fear. You know, you walk in that room of strangers, you experience the fear. That's normal. Mm -hmm. How do we condition ourselves to kind of move, you know, get used to it, get comfortable, et cetera. And, and move in that direction. I think it's really, um, really, really useful. So trying to think of it in terms of how do we, if we're in a place where, you know, we are going to experience challenges and, and, you know, fear, if we're experiencing this thing of, do I do this, do I not, or step in and do it? How do we, how do you help sort of your clients and, you know, past and present sort of navigate through that so that they can manage the fear as it goes forward? Because I think that's a big, big part of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. How, How do you, how do you help in that respect? So I guess we all, number one, we have to like start with like, meeting a person where they are like compassionately, like if you feel like some form of fear or anxiety or uncertainty, like this is okay. And I like people to understand that this is okay. We come to there, like be compassionate to yourself, be kind, like accept that this is a normal experience. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You're not weak, not, not courageous. You're just a human at the end of the day, like all of us would like to meet people where they are. The next thing is almost like, well, what, what perception do you have of yourself that is perpetuating that fear for you around this? So what perception do you hold about yourself? Now, it's kind of like there's a bit of an element where you want to kind of break it back to the point where for every single person, there was a story created for, for, for that part of themselves, that narrative. Before that, there was a blank canvas. You know this because if you look at your very young children, they don't go around being concerned about themselves. They just are. They're in this learning stage, this early stage, but they don't have it. What happens is we start to create some form of narrative that explains why I'm not lovable, why I'm not appreciated, why I don't get what I want. And then we, we internalize. So at that point, this story was created, but it was only a perceptual story. If we can help the client go back and see where that was formed and what the truth was, versus their actual illusional version of that. Because it might have been, yeah, you, you, you know, you fell over and your mom didn't say, what, like, are you okay? Because she was busy. It doesn't mean that she didn't love you. It just was what happened. And from this point, you've started then going, I'm not worthy, and then built this up, and other things have reinforced that. So we do that to actually compassion, create awareness, and actually understand that the perception that you have of yourself is probably miscreated and we could at any moment from where you are create an alternative future because if you think to yourself like i'll never be loved right let's say for example someone projects that i'm i'm not lovable i'll never be loved i'll never be in a good relationship well he's an alternative the very next person you meet could be the love of your life 
Now, my version of what I've said to you is as real as your version is, because you don't know that's going to happen, and I don't know mine's going to happen, but there is two versions. And which one do you want to be engaged with? Yeah, I, I think you're, I love that idea of the, the story. I guess the thing about the stories is that as we go through life, they get layered, don't they? They get layered upon layer with confirming evidence because it's, it seems to me that we kind of we draw the evidence that supports that interpretation. You know why, though, don't you? Sorry? You know why, though? Why? Because we don't want to be wrong. Right, because we're uncomfortable with that dissonance, aren't we? If, if, like, hang on a minute, I haven't, I haven't got a, I haven't got a grip of this. I can't make sense of the world mm-hmm. if I'm wrong all the time. So it must be right, and we we pull this together. And also, we tend towards remembering the more negative and magnifying the negative because it's helped to survive, I guess. <laughs> so you're right. So then, challenging those stories. So I guess then, in terms of it, you, you've talked about what you would, what you do with clients now. Then what? Let's get into the work you do now, and and so we can flesh it out with some maybe some sort of examples. Then of you're working with who, and what are some of the challenges, and what are some of the stories they tell, and how do you help them navigate that? Okay, so so I work with like I guess anybody that wants to perform better in what they do. I know you highlighted it before that I work with men, and I do primarily work with men unless it's in a corporate business setting, which I work with with everybody that's involved in that organization. But effectively, they will come. With, with something that they don't have, they want more of something or something's not where they want it to be. You know, they, might not, they might not have enough money. They might want to be more successful. You know, they might want to have better relationships. They might want to be in better shape. They come with these, these things. I'm not happy. I'm not clear. I'm not fulfilled, whatever. They're just access points to actually underneath what is underneath that creates the that way that a person sees why they don't have enough. You know, everything is a lens in which we see the world through in ourselves. So with each of these people, whatever they come to, not saying that it's not right, not wrong, but it's a symptomatic issue of something else or a deep-seated belief around who they are and why they don't have that. So we want to always get behind what do you really want but first, we must break back all the limiting beliefs or subconscious narratives you hold of yourself. Because I think if you make goal-based decisions from a place of lack and fear, they might not be fully aligned to what you truly want. Now, I don't sit with people and go, let's just start setting goals and start doing it. Let's go towards it. I've realized that doesn't work because I've realized that there's always a sticking point with people. So I get people to actually start realizing and revealing who they are to themselves. That sounds a bit weird, right? But it's like, it's not really. It's like, do you really know who you are? Conscious, are you consciously aware of who you think you are and what, what it is that you think about yourself and why your life isn't where it needs to be and where you do want your life to be? I want to get that picture. Actually, I want them to see that picture. It's not me telling them. It's me helping them through coaching work to reveal that. From that then I will get them to start thinking about what they really want to be committed to in their world and actually as a place to come from. So what is it you want to do from where you are? What do you want to, what do you want to create from this point here? What is possible? What future do you want to have? But we're doing it now. Not, not working towards that future, but coming from the behaviors and actions and mindset and traits that are going to allow that to live out. 
that's where the, the, the magic happens when you can start doing that. Now, as people go along that journey, it's not as if like, oh, I've released all my stuff, or all my shit, and now I'm free to be all that. They'll always come up to a new sticking point, which will reveal something about them where they are not free in life. Bang, work through that bit. But every time, if almost peel that back, we can get there quicker. It's the first bit where it's heavy. Yeah. You know, because it's more reinforced, like boxed in, isn't it? Yeah. But then as you get through, then they can see it faster, catch it quicker, bring the awareness that they need. It's all about awareness. And then when they have that, they can practice this new awareness to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. That, there's, there's a lot there. Now, now, one of the things that I don't know if you've experienced, I'm sure you have, but is that often what people come to coaching with as in the <laughs> presenting goal or idea is it's often not the real thing if you dig into underneath it's not often, to minimize that it's often no. that's a symbol of something else yeah um and then you dig into that and as you say there's a lot of work and so one of the things i found is that that's pretty exhausting for them you know yeah. uh, the number of clients who kind of the, the after the session they'll kind of report back how great it was mm-hmm. but how drained and exhausted they are yeah, yeah. So, because it is like you say, it's really hard work. So, how do you move on from that? Because again, this isn't. It's it's it takes a bit of courage and it takes that effort as well, doesn't mm-hmm. it, to do it? But it's it's a starting point of something where there could be real change for somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. Yeah, it, it is exhausting for people. And sometimes you you come away from sessions with pe- people like like I, you know, they they seemed happier when they came on the call than when they went off because because right. you're going against the very narrative and and where you see yourself, you know, so these people are having to break through this. But I like to leave people as much as I can with with the element of like some form of positivity or po- possibility after that point, even if they've revealed like, God, this is why I've been living this way for the last 25 years. We're not going to judge that. We're not, we're not putting pressure in on this is bad and shame on you. You know, this is what it is. But now, now we are free of it, or now we can see for what it really is, and now we can move forward. So regardless of the heaviness of something, that's, I suppose, just the way we see it anyway in our language. There's actually always a positive outcome from it, even if it meant a little bit of deeper soul searching. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a coaching call with a client before this, and we finished half an hour before this call. And that was a heavy session. That was really heavy. But he is also a coach, and because that – there's a, there's a deep level you can get in, but there's also what they think they should know and then also what they, what, what they don't see, their blind spots, which is yeah. why obviously hire a coach to help you see what you don't see. And that yeah. always leaves the realm of like, there's things to take away, there's things to reflect on, there's things to let, put down. But that's the work. Yeah. If you truly want it, that's the work, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, when you said about sometimes you feel like they're, they're feeling like it's uh, they're feeling less positive when they leave the session. I think that's how we we can reflect on it as a coach, but I think you're right. There's work there, but it's also the exciting part. And I, mm-hmm. the, one of the things I do sense with um, the vast majority of clients is that they take away that sense of, oh, that was hard, but my goodness, I can see something. So, and you said, you said now that now we can do, you know, we can start to build on it and change things and what have you. So how do you build them on that? Because one of the things that I tend to find is that at the end of sessions, it's given it's one or two things to work on, small things to work yes. on to move forward. How do you, how do you progress that then? Yeah. So the, the, as, as like anything with coaching, there always needs to be some form of actionable outcome. 
you know, that's what you kind of effectively leaving somebody with to work upon for the next one. So we'll effectively always work on some form of outcome, but I will ask them what it is that they feel that they need to do. What do they want to do next? What, what options are there for them to be able to now you know this or aware of it or can now understand there's a choice here. What is it that you're going to do? And so they will always leave with one or two things. And that yeah. might be something of, it has to be something of implementation, doesn't it? Yeah. Even if there is some form of reflective journaling, it's still implementation. And that's what we always want to have. Take it from like, okay, we've talked about now I'm aware of it. And so now there's actionable implementation. So they something, one, one or two things, tops. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned journaling or, or reflection. I think, uh, uh, We've had conversations about this in the past, but yeah. I, I'm a big fan of just developing yeah. some sort of reflective practice, even if it, yeah. in small ways initially, and the power of it. How have yeah. you found that with yourself and clients? Always, like for me, always, always journaling and always reflective. Because I think like you, you can have like, there's different elements, isn't there? You can have like journaling where you might maybe ask yourself some certain questions, you know, maybe to create some kind of uh, intention or focus for the day. Uh, sometimes I like that. But more often than not, I'll either reflect, reflect in my journal or I might spend just 10 minutes outside just reflecting on something, you know, reflecting on concept for me or life or something for, for client. It doesn't matter. So I spend more time doing that than I've ever spent in my life. And the more I'm doing it, the more it really helps, really helps. I can honestly say. And yes, look, like I would love every one of my clients to journal and do that, but it's not about me telling them to do that. They are, they almost have to move to that themselves. And and those that actually do it consistently love it. Yeah. Those that play in and out of it don't always get to feel the, the, the true benefits of yeah. self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fair. You're right. It's about, and this is the whole point. It's, as we, as we encourage somebody to have that little bit of hope, it's then helping them see that they can have the power to make changes and then choosing the actions that they take, experimenting with them, because sometimes they'll yeah. take an action, it doesn't work for them, it's not right for them, mm-hmm. but that's part of the that self-empowerment. So you can start to get the confidence that you can change your own stories and your own direction, yes. I guess. Yeah. So just, I'm conscious of time, and, and thank you for the time that you've given us, Dave. It's brilliant. It's always brilliant to talk to you anyway, but it's great to share this on the podcast as well. What... I guess um, over the years, if we could kind of capture a few key things um, in terms of how somebody might start to implement or adopt a new habit, it could be a health habit. I mean, we've, we've talked about health. One of the common things I find is around just health and sleep and, and just some self-care things. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, what, how do you support or guide or what advice would you give um, somebody who's trying to just implement a new habit or a new, new routine into their life? Yeah, I think what we want to do is is like remove like the weight from it. So we, we what we can do is is we can create like a habit routine and start like adding like emotional attachment to that, like and and feelings. So like I don't feel like doing that today, or I don't feel like in that space to do that. So we put too much emphasis sometimes into that versus the, just the application, like brushing your teeth. It doesn't really matter whether or not you feel like it or not. Most of the time you'll do it because it's just habitual. So we yeah. want to get people just to the fact that however long it takes, just start. So like, let's say it was like, go for a walk 20 minutes a day. Just start with that. Just like, don't concern yourself about who you need to be and how you need to do that and, and what emotional space you need to do. Just go for the walk. 
Yeah. And just do, and don't worry about how far you go and how fast you do it and all the metrics that compare yourself to yourself. Just do, just do, just do. So it's about, for me, getting them to people to try and remove the weight and remove emotional attachment to more of a fact of just like doing. If you can get them more doing, it's a lot better. And yeah. again, like thinking of like, not as a version of self-punishment either, because anything we do, it's like, wow, well, I... You know, I'm overweight and that's rubbish and I don't journal enough and that's rubbish and I'm anxious and that's rubbish. It's like like all this heaviness has to go to this ability to just be light and be with what we do. And by default, by just doing something before you know it, it's consistent and it's part of your life. And uh, there's no like, for me, there's no like, right, that's the perfect way for everybody, but that's as a little arc, it works quite well for people. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that's, I think that also ties into one of the things I've learned is that if you have a goal, it's not to spend too much time on, on the goal or in yeah. the goal, because yeah. it's, it's a reminder of how far away. So as you said, if you, if part of your goal is to be somewhere to get to a certain level of health and the, the walk is that part, if every time you're on that walk, you remind yourself how far away from the goal you are yeah. or checking in, you're adding weight, aren't you? Whereas if you just say, right, okay, the walk in itself and of itself is something I'm going to learn to enjoy, be present with. Take that weird off. I think that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. brilliant because it's about then starting to enjoy the process, not the mm-hmm. outcome. Absolutely. And I love that. And you bang on because if you focus on that outcome, it's uh it, it it's it, it's almost like I say this to people like the outcome is not yours. Like it's so many other factors will affect yeah. the ability for that. There's three stages in that preparation, execution, and outcome. You can be involved in preparation and execution, but outcome is not fully yours. You might set out to lose a stone and, hey, you might lose 10 pounds or you might lose two stone, but, but a lot of other factors can affect that, like your health, like the weather, like other people, like family situations. Just put the outcome over there. Like that's what, that's what I want. That's okay. This is what I want. And then like you said, just leave it in the future there and be in the process of preparation execution however think about what the activity gives you and brings to you versus taking away yeah. so if it's like oh, i've got I've, so I've got to give up my morning 20 minutes of walking to get that like it's a sacrifice that's not really going to be empowering versus ah oh, it gives me such good energy and i get good fresh air and as a byproduct you'll lose a little weight yeah yeah I love that. And, and that's an important reframe, isn't it? Because again, if we're adding friction in of like, oh, I've got to do this and what am I losing? That's just mm-hmm. extra friction. And I get, the thing is, it's not losing sight of the why you're doing it, but it's just learning to take your head away from the, the outcome all the time and just enjoying it now. Um, yeah. Well, the big thing with that is what I found with clients is like, like I said, they the, the assume that the outcome will create the happiness that they seek. So they think like happiness is a place to get to. This end result is where I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled. It's the answer to all my dreams. So until I get there, then I'll just be miserable and mm-hmm. depressed. But actually happiness is a place to come from. So you can, you can only be happy in the now. You can't pre-frame that and three months time, that's when you'll be happy on an obscure Tuesday in December. You're either happy now or you aren't. And so either put yourself into a state of happiness, which does something, or stop holding your happiness hostage because it ain't going to come because you assume it will in the future. So it's like finding that like sense of like, yeah, whatever you do, 
the end result won't give you what you think it'll give you. It'll give you something. But if we're in this now process, what can I give to this moment? What, 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 what is this moment giving me? That is much more powerful and actually rewarding. And by default, then little conscious intentions will get you somewhere very close to that goal, if not surpass it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I tell you what, I kind of think of a better way to end it. It's great. It encapsulates a lot of the whole conversation. And I guess the spirit of the Sprout Sweater, which is that idea of what can we start to focus on now, the small day-to-day things, and kind of put our attention there and let the future take care of itself in that, in mm-hmm. that respect. So thank you, David. Thank you for your time. Can I just ask, uh, obviously, links and, and where to get in touch with you, etc., will be in the show notes. But um, if you want to give a shout out to how to follow you, get, get in touch, and what you're working on, anything of interest that you want to share, please do yeah. shout out now. Um, so you can follow me on, on LinkedIn if you want to. So just put my name in, David Wilkinson. Um, there's a picture of my head there, so you just follow that one. Um, Instagram, I'm on there as well, uh, David Wilkinson Coach. And my website is IamDavidWilkinson.com. And and people just like engage you and follow my stuff if they like it, and the blogs and posts and, you know, go through that. And working on what I'm working on is being a better coach really and working with people. And that's what I do. So brilliant, mate. Brilliant. Well, thank you. And uh, your posts are really genuine and honest. And I think that's a reflection of development as a coach, isn't it? Because if you're, if you're true and authentic and and, and humble in that, I think that's what makes you a far more effective coach as well. So all the best with it. And thank you. And I hope uh, the audience you've taken away a few sprout sized uh, ideas and thoughts there, and uh, we'll catch you in the next episode. Cheers again, David. Thank you. Thanks mate. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed your flight aboard Sprout One. For show notes and information on how to get the podcast feed direct to your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other favorite podcast feed, visit SproutSweater.com. And touchdown.